Well, welcome. Welcome to Life Church. As Pastor Ryan mentioned, my name is Dylan Johnson. I'm the youth pastor here, and it is so good to be here today. Um, good to be indoors, away from the weather today, and uh, uh, it's an honor to get to to bring the conclusion of this series, Some Assembly Required. Um, as Pastor Ryan mentioned, uh, with Pastor Aaron out of town, uh, I've been given the opportunity to speak this morning. And I, I just want to take a moment. Could we honor our senior pastors, Pastor Aaron and Miss Tammy? They are awesome. We have great lead pastors here at Life Church, and just week in and week out, uh, they, Pastor Aaron brings the word um, and brings the message, and it's always applicable to our lives. And um, in this Some Assemblies Required series, we've been talking about relationships, and uh, I, the the reason we view this as important is because we we believe that you were never meant to do life alone. Um, in regards to following Jesus, in regards to following uh, the Christian journey, we believe that you were never meant to do this alone. I I've seen enough people that have tried to become superheroes and be all alone on an island of their, of their own doing this Christian journey only to see when a storm hits, when the boat gets rocked, when things get shaky for everything to crumble to pieces. That we need one another. And, and that's not just something uh, like a cute, cuddly, PBS-type phrase. No, no, no. We, we need each other. We're not going to succeed without each other. And so, so today we're, gonna, um, we're, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And I believe that the writer of 1 Timothy, Paul, speaks directly to this concept of us needing one another, of us, um, uh, of us growing due to one another. In fact, I, I want to view this kind of passage through the lens of these two questions. Who's growing you and who are you growing? Who's growing you and who are you growing? Uh, because growth in the Christian faith is not just a, a point A to point B kind of journey. No, no, no. Growth is cyclical. In fact, I, I title this the growth cycle because you don't just grow alone. You grow others and are growing and are growing because of others all at the same time. It's a cycle. And ultimately, our goal this year is to, um, if you were with us in January, to make our way around the table to get to the gold chair. If you missed that series, you can go back and, and listen to that on our website later. Um, but, but to get around to the gold chair, which we say, hey, you're invested you're, you're serving, you are committed, you are a part of this, you are believing what we're believing and following what we're doing and, 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 and connected to this. And if we're going to do that, we need one another. So here in 1 Timothy, Paul's writing, it's about 30 years since Jesus had died, rose again, ascended into heaven. About 30 years since then, the gospel had begun to spread. Paul had already been on uh, three missionary journeys at this time when he writes this letter. And even though the gospel had already been spread, so had some false teachings. And so when false teachers arrive, you, uh, arise, you have to address that. And so Paul leaves Timothy in Ephesus to begin to address these issues. And so Paul writes 1 Timothy to Timothy and, and kind of walks him through what to say to these people and how to correct some of the bad theology that had begun to spread. In fact, the central theme of 1 Timothy is that the gospel brings about good, a, a, a good life. When, when you choose to follow the good news of Jesus Christ, that your life produces good things. That's really the bare bones of this. And so we hop into 1 Timothy chapter 4. 
beginning in verse 11, and, and Paul writes this, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you were young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that, so that everyone may see your progress. Right there, uh, beginning in verse 12, Paul commands Timothy um, to, to set an example. And that's really our, our first point today. Set an example. If you're going to grow in relation, if you're going to grow in your relationship with God in a relational community such as this, we must set an example. In speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Paul was big on setting, setting an example. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, in his letter to the Corinthian church, he writes, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. I'm not the ultimate goal, but I'm following Jesus, so follow me as I follow Christ. I've learned in life that someone's always watching. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you think it or not, someone's paying attention. Yeah, and you really notice this once you have kids. Uh, parents in the room, you can probably attest to this. You, you get home from a long day of work. You never put your feet on the coffee table. In fact, it's an unspoken rule, kind of, we don't put our feet on the coffee table. The coffee table is for coffee, um, uh, right? Isn't that what coffee tables are for? <laughs> um, I really don't know what they're for. Uh, uh, we, do, we don't put our feet on the coffee table, and yet you got home. It's a hard day of work. You put your feet up on the coffee table um, because you, you just need to kick back and relax. And your kid notices, doesn't say a word. About two days, three days later, y'all are just relaxing in the living room and your kid puts their feet up on the coffee table. And you look at them like they're somebody else's child. Who are you and what are you doing? You know, we don't put our feet on the coffee table and you begin to just go in. And they look back at you and say, but dad, you do. And you're like, oh snap, <laughs> they notice. Or like maybe... Maybe you, you started saying um, like uh, the word stupid or, or shut up and your kid picks up on it and, and, and then you and your, your spouse are now fighting because your kid has picked up on you saying uh, a word and now they are constantly nonstop saying it. What I've learned is that with children, a lot of things are not necessarily taught, but they're caught. A lot of things are not necessarily taught, but they're caught and your example is set and they are watching. So the question is, what is the example you are setting? Now, now, to some of you, this may seem daunting. Um, uh, this may seem like real lofty. Like, how am I supposed to set an example? Uh, how, how am I supposed to be someone that others follow? Could, could I encourage you today that setting an example is not just something you do when, you are, when everything's great and when you're on the top of the mountain and, and, and when you are at your highest point of relationship with God, but setting an example is something that is even necessary in failure. I think more and more often, my generation needs to see some people fail and fail well and recover and come back and do even greater things than they were before their failures. Setting an example in your failure. The next generation needs to know how to fail well and get back up. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For though the righteous man falls seven times, they rise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. 
If you want to grow in your relationship with God, you, you, you got to start by setting an example. If you want to grow others, you got to start by setting an example in, in your successes and in your failures. Fail well, set an example. Number two, Paul writes to Timothy, devote yourself to Scripture. Devote yourself to Scripture. Now, this has two parts. Uh, the first part is kind of the private devotion of Scripture, which we talk about, um, and, and we produce soap journals and, and kind of soap guides for you to follow along with. If you follow us on social media, uh, you'll see that every Monday morning, the soap guide is posted for the entire week so that you can follow along and you can read your Bible. Soap simply stands for Scripture, observation, application, and prayer kind of helps you walk through your devotional time. Uh, and, and yet also what Paul is saying to these people is, hey, don't give up meeting together. Like, like come together. In this day and age, um, the way the Bible was read, digested, and, and kind of worked through was in public settings. People didn't have Bibles on their mantle and bookshelf. Uh, people didn't have Bibles on their cell phones they didn't have those. And, and so they, they didn't just have it at the touch of their fingertips. No, no, no. They came together. Scripture was recited or read. And then they would digest it together. It was a process of growing in their relationship with God and then in their relationship with others simultaneously. And we do that here at Life Church. And you may look across the room and see tons of people you don't know and think there's no way. That, that I'm ever going to interact with those people. In fact, for some of you, the worst moment in your entire week is right after we conclude the third song of worship and the worship leader says, greet someone around you. And you're terrified. And inwardly, you're cringing. And you're like, no, not again, not again, not, not, not people I don't know. And the introvert in you just screams for help. In fact, some of you strategically take that moment to go to the restroom or get extra coffee so that you don't have to talk to a single person. Listen, I get it. I get it. We don't, we don't always want to do that, but, but I would encourage you. If a setting like this scares you, if a setting like this is too big, find a smaller setting. And I believe at Life Church, we, we do a very strategic job of presenting those. Three times a year, we have life group signups. We have life group seasons. And life groups are just small groups that meet outside of a Sunday um, or a Saturday night at, at church. It's outside of this setting, and it's a lot more relationally focused. And, and the whole purpose is that we would grow together outside of this. I, I've heard this, that true growth doesn't happen in rows. It happens in circles. That means simply that it doesn't happen on a Sunday morning during church, but it happens in small groups and in, and in serving and outside of a service time. In fact, not just life groups, but we have serving teams that I believe if you really want to grow your relationship with God, you join a team and serve. Why do I believe that? Because I think something happens when we turn around and give back. When we turn around and start serving, something in us clicks, shifts, and changes, and, and, and we begin to see a whole other side of who God is. Not only that, but when we begin to serve, there's people that keep us accountable in our walk with God. And there, there's people that will, will, um, will, will notice when we don't necessarily feel the best, will call us on the carpet in regarding some of the, the issues that we face and the stuff that we're going through that will hold us accountable when we need it most. Listen, I know that, um, that, that you're here today, and so I'm preaching to the choir, and you you're already made it. You got out in this weather. You came to church, to the public setting, to gather together, to be with others. 
but I want to encourage you, keep going. Because as we continue to thrive together, we continue to grow together, we will continue to see God do more and more through us. Devote yourself to scripture. And then Paul writes and encourages Timothy. He does this. He says, use your gifts. Use your gifts. In In the verse, it says in verse 14, do not neglect your gift, which was given you through the prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Use your gift. What do I mean by that? Sharpen, train, work, develop, uh, grow the gifting that God has placed in you. Here's the deal. I truly do believe that God has given each and every single one of us different gifts uh, in different avenues, in different places that, that can grow people in different ways. Listen, there are people that I will never have an inroad with because I don't have the right gifting set. But there are some people that you have an inroad with and a connection with because of the gifts that God has placed within you that I will never be able to reach. On the flip side, there's people that I'll be able to reach that some of you will never be able to talk to, encounter, and engage with because of the giftings that God has given you are different. But I truly do believe that God has given each of us gifts and, and in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul writes to, to, to them and, and he says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all unto the glory of God. Do it all unto the glory of God. Listen, whatever gift God has given you, it's not to, to boost you up. It's not to raise you up. It's not to elevate your name or make you famous. It's, it's to elevate him. It's to bring glory and honor and praise to him. In fact, I truly do believe this. Christians should be the hardest working, most successful, best in their field. That in the workforce, Christians should be the best. And and here's why. I don't don't believe that God has given you any better gift than necessarily anybody else, but I truly do believe this, that if we're working, not just for ourselves, but for God, there's a higher reason that we're working. There's a bigger picture than us just being successful, making a lot of money, having the house with two cars and two and a half kids and the white picket fence and the uh, labradoodle that runs up and tackles us when we get home. There's a bigger picture than this, right? Like there's eternity at play. There's more than just being the CEO of my company. There's more than just just making Amazon the biggest company. There's more than all of these things. No, 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 there's bringing glory to God. And so if I'm gonna bring glory to God with the giftings that he given me, I'm going to work my heart strive my best, do my best work and and achieve as much as I can, not so that I can be made famous, but so that I can elevate his name to the highest position possible. And so I encourage you, I encourage you, work hard, strive, do your best, Do, do what God has called you to do, use the giftings that he's placed within you, but ultimately do it so that you bring just pure glory to God. And in doing that, I believe that God rewards those who do that. So, so, so use those giftings. And, and some of you today, you, you may, and I think this is an easy trap that many of us fall into, is the comparison trap. We begin to look at our gifts, compare them to other people's gifts. We, we disqualify ourselves from what God has called us to. But I truly do believe this, that if, if God has called you to it, he will see you through it. If God has called you to it, he's equipped you for it. And we can easily compare ourselves to others and compare our giftings to others. And yet I believe if you compare and compete, you'll live in defeat. If you compare and compete, you will constantly live in defeat. 
Number four, the fourth, fourth and final thing Paul writes is don't give up. Don't give up. And I want to encourage you today, don't give up. Paul says, be diligent, give yourself wholly so everyone may see your progress. I mean, this is coming from Paul. Paul, who was in prison multiple times, who uh, time after time found himself really kind of knocking at death's door, wondering, is this the moment where I will die for my faith? Where the Holy Spirit speaks to Paul through people and says, hey, Paul, don't go there. That's going to be dangerous for your life. And Paul says, no, 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 I've got to go. That's where I'm called to go. Paul was in prison multiple times. This is the guy that wrote, to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is the man who himself ended up dying for his faith. And he writes, be diligent, give yourself wholly to this so that everyone may see your progress. Essentially saying, hey, don't give up. Man, if there's anyone to write, don't give up, it was Paul. And yet I see time after time, Many of us, not just many of us, but I, I flip through scripture and I see person after person, hero after hero of the faith that was on the verge of giving up moment after moment. We have Samson in the Old Testament and you see where he had uh, been super strong and, and God's uncanny power was upon this man and he, he would fight for God's people. And yet due to his lust, he gave up his strength and found himself imprisoned. And he's at this party and he's being mocked, beaten, jeered at. He's blinded. And, and he just begins to ask God, hey, God, I know. I know I've fallen. I know I've messed up. But I pray that you'd give me my strength back that I may bring you glory one last time. And the, the story goes that his strength began to come back and his, his hair began to grow back and his strength began to grow back. And in his final act in his life, he took out every single person that was at that party. He took out the enemy in one fell swoop in order to bring glory to God. We see Jesus in the New Testament at the Garden of Gethsemane. We see him uh, really wrestling with, and, and Scripture reads that he was in such turmoil that he was sweating while praying and talking with God, and the, sweats, the sweat was as if it was drops of blood. So, like, this is super intense, super, super invested in this moment, and Jesus is talking to his Father, talking to God, and he says, if it is possible, please take this cup for, from me. If it is possible, please take this cup from me. Essentially saying, hey, God, if there's any other way, if there's any possible other way for this to happen, for, for salvation to come to all of humanity, let that be the case. Jesus on the verge of, of wanting to be done. I, I think we downplay that sometimes. Jesus on the verge of, of saying, hey, God, if the if there's any possible, like, I would rather not die. I would rather not take on the sins of the world. This is a very daunting task. And yet the ultimate conclusion Jesus comes to is, hey, God, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but, but your will be done. The greatest stories ever told are ones where someone is on the verge of giving up, and yet they don't. 
We see a few years ago the Patriots in the Super Bowl versus the Falcons coming back and to rally in the fourth quarter and win in a dramatic fashion. We, we see um, just a few weeks ago now Duke was down 20 some odd points and came back in men's basketball to win in the final few minutes. We, we see um, the greatest love stories ever told are the ones where it seems like the relationship has fractured due to some odd circumstance. Always, it's just something random that you're like, this shouldn't be the end of you. And, and yet it is almost. And then at the very end of the movie, the lady is standing on the porch looking out into the distance over a field. And the man, the love of her life, says, I won't give up. And begins to run from the edge of the field towards the house. And she sees him from a distance yet doesn't really know who it is yet. And as he gets closer and closer, she recognizes it's, it's the one she loves. The one whom, whom this love almost was over. And she takes off from the porch and begins to run towards him. And in this moment, as the music swells, the two embrace and they begin to spin around in circles and then it cuts and they're married and, and then it goes to the credits. And like it's happily ever after. But it's this moment, this moment in time where they didn't give up. Where, where they said, no, this is worth fighting for. No, this is worth overcoming for. This is worth, worth pressing on. This is worth doing so that everyone may see my progress. In the 1992 Olympics, about a month and a half after I was born, um, the, there was a guy named Derek Redman running the 400 meter dash. And, and some of you know this story very well. He got about 150 meters into the race and his hamstring tears and he goes down. He gets up. Yeah, as they bring the stretcher onto the, onto the track, he gets up and begins to try to hobble to complete the race. Everyone else is long gone. He, he stumbles and staggers and falls and gets back up and continues to try. And You see off in the distance this man begin to push his way through the crowd and make his way over to Derek. And we later find out it's his father. And his father grabs an arm, throws it around his shoulders and hoists him back up and they begin to hobble step after step along this journey together until they finish. You see, Derek refused to give up. And because of that, he inspired generation after generation to keep pressing on in 2008. In 2008, 16 years after that Summer Olympics, Visa, the, the credit card company, ran a commercial and featured him and his father and said, he and his father finished dead last, but they finished the race. Galatians 6.2 says, carry one another burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Hey, you want, you want to follow Jesus? You want to follow God? You want to do what he's called you to do? You want to be the best Christian you can be? Carry one another's burdens. And yet I ask, how are we supposed to do that if we're not in relationship together? Who are you growing and who is growing you? I close with this. Uh, a few years ago, my wife and I, um, we lived in Houston, Texas, and uh, it's always sunny and 100 degrees, um, so it's miserable outside. And, uh, um, and so I, I liked to run at the time because um, it was warm outside, and so I could lose weight, clear my head, and get a tan all at the same time. Now I stay inside, gain weight, and turn pale all at the same time. <laughs> so it's like the reverse. But I'd been running for a while, and so I'd like built up stamina, and I was on a run of like five or six miles that day, and 
I was about in the fourth mile and I um, was wanting to give up. I don't know if you know, but like you just get that pain in your side, like your lung punctured, like your rib broke and was just stabbing. And, and then like your legs turned to jello and then you, off in the distance, you see images that aren't there, but like you're making them up because you're going crazy um, because like you're running and you have nothing to do. Uh, that's another thing with running. You just have nothing to do when you're doing it. Like that's why treadmills and televisions are awesome. So I'm running, and uh, I want to give up. It's, it's a terrible feeling. And yet, I, as I'm about to give up, I see this older man cross in front of me, and he's about 15 yards in front of me, and he, he's running, and he's running. This may sound weird, and I apologize if it does, but he has great running form. Um, he has a great stride. But, and you notice these things when you're running because, like, you, you pick apart what you're doing wrong that you might get better at. And I notice he just has a great stride. And so I begin to notice more, and I see, like, he's got the running shirt. He's got, like, actual running shorts, not just casual basketball shorts he threw on to go for a run like I did. He, I had on these $50 running shoes. He had on, like, actual hardcore $200 running shoes. And I'm like, wait a second. This guy knows what he's doing. He's two, two and a half times my age, a little taller, well-built, and he's just trotting along. And as I'm about to give up, I look at it and realize, I think this man has probably been in the same situation I've been in before. With the pain in his side and the legs like jello and the images off in the distance that don't exist, I, I imagine he's been there. And that somewhere in that journey, he chose to press on. And he chose to keep running. And he chose to keep putting down foot after foot after foot. So, so here's what I did. In, in literally a terrible state of mind, I made this decision, and I think it's the right one. I decided I was going to match pace with him. Which was bad because he was running faster than I was previously, but it was, if I was going to finish, this was how it had to happen. So his right foot hit the ground, and my right foot hit the ground, and his left foot hit the ground, and my left foot hit the ground, and his right foot hit the ground, and my right foot hit the ground. And, and I did this for like 300 yards, just right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. I was so glad he didn't turn around and look at me. That would have been awkward. Why are you following me? I just was matching pace, matching pace, because I knew that he knew something about this journey that I had yet to learn. And if I was going to finish my race that day, I was going to have to follow someone that had been down the path before. And so I matched pace and matched pace and matched pace. And at some point in the journey, his, his race took him a different path than I did. And he peeled off to the left. And there was no way I was doing that because my journey took me home to the right. So I peeled off to the right and I kept going, but it was that 300 yard stretch where an older man who had been there, done that, got the t-shirt, inspired me to press on towards the prize and get to the finish line. And that day I finished my, my race, not because I had done anything spectacular, but because there was someone who inspired me to keep going. I want to ask you today, who's in your life that's inspiring you to keep going? Who's in your life that's the pace setter? That you look down the road and you see them. They may be, well, it seems like almost a mile off and yet you see them running and you see them consistent. And their marriage, when it's taking hits and it's taking uh, cheap shot after cheap shot and the devil's attacked and attacked and attacked, they keep running. 
And you've seen when they've lost loved ones. And you've seen when they've encountered difficult times. And you've seen when they've had financial troubles and dismay. And yet you've seen time after time where they're connected to the body of Christ. Where they're still running this race called, uh, called the journey of, of, of our Christian faith. Where, where they're still plugged in to church. Where they're still plugged into a small group. Where they're still giving even though they don't know how their finances can manage it. And they're setting an example. And they've devoted themselves to the public reading of scripture and, and, and they're committed to the cause and they're not giving up. I, I, who's in your life that's doing that for you? You may really be analyzing it today and say, I, I, I don't have any of those people. Well, I'd encourage you, find them. Get in a life group, get connected. Do not do this life alone. That when you're on the journey and the pain hits in the side and the legs begin to give out and the, the, the stuff in the distance seems, seems to start arising and you want to give up, make sure that someone's there to keep the pace. And yet at the same time, find someone that may not be as far down this journey as you are. Their legs may not be as conditioned as yours are. They may not have the stamina that you do. But you grab their hand and begin to run with them. Their pace may be a little bit slower at first. Uh, they may, they may want to talk the whole time, which I don't understand that when you're running. It's just more energy to expend. But you know they need someone to inspire them to press on and keep going. Who are you growing? And who is growing you? In Houston, one of the things I love to do the most, and my wife and I would get to go do about once, once every other month or so, there was an old retired pastor that attended our church. He's about 70 years old and he knew my grandparents and it was just this really cool connection. And so early on and uh, after I had moved to Houston, we, we became friends with them and, and I was just 20 years old and they were in their 70s. And so you may think that doesn't make sense. And yet we became friends. And so uh, every so often we'd go over on a Saturday morning at like 7.30 or 8 a.m., which you know for a millennial, doing that on a Saturday morning is just ridiculous. Um, but I'd do it and we'd go, one of the reasons they'd cook breakfast for us. And so that was amazing. And that was worth waking up for cause I didn't cook breakfast. And so we'd go over to their house and sit around the table and, and to eat. And we'd sometimes spend three hours there and we'd be talking and I would ask questions about their history and about how, uh, different things he had encountered while pastoring churches and what made you move from here to there and how did you handle this when it came up and uh, how, what was the advice you gave in this situation and what would you do if you were in my situation doing this and you encountered and I would just ask question after question after question and I'd make the man talk I'd, I'd make them talk because here's the deal. I wasn't about to go sit for three hours on a Saturday morning for breakfast when I could be asleep if I, if, if I wasn't going to hear the wisdom that they had to share. So I'd ask question after question after question. And because of that, I believe that I've grown immensely 
And yet to this day, I could go back to that same couple and I could ask them for help. I could ask them to pray for me. I could ask them uh, for advice and, and they would give it to me and they would share with me. You need people like that in your life who you can just sit with and ask questions, who, who you can sit with and be encouraged by. And at the same time, other people need you to sit with them and encourage them and strengthen them when they are weak. I once again ask, who are you growing and who is growing you? Let's pray. Lord, I love you and I thank you. And I give you all glory and honor and praise. God, without you, we are nothing. And so we ask that you would strengthen us today. And wherever we are in our journey with you, wherever we are in our walk with Christ, that God, you would, uh, you would just encourage us to take the next step. Whatever that step may be, that we would progr make progress today. And that our love for you would grow, our love for others would grow. And today we'd be encouraged to connect more to you and more to one another. God, we trust in you even when we don't see the way out. Even when we're tired, we're weak, and we're ready to give up. God, we, we depend on you to be our strength. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We give you all glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.